0: So here we go again. Hello and welcome to UI5 Newscast with now edition number 32. My name is Christoph Hafner and as always, I'll be your host in this session. And yeah, really, it's been a while since we were online for the last time. So it was um, end of 2022 when um, Margot Wolny, Peter Müsig and Stefan Beck wrapped up the entire year. 2022. So it's still a recommendation to tune into that. But today we want to talk about UI5 tooling again. So we did this quite some years ago, so it's been a while as well, together with um, Volker Wutzeg and with Peter Müsig in this channel as well. And we talked about UI5 tooling in 2019. And we thought it's still and ongoing a hot topic so that we should look into that again and uh, i'm happy to have two guests who can support me here in sharing all the information and news on tooling and we want to make it a little bit more a deep dive session into tooling than we did it in 2019 and um, therefore today i'm happy to welcome matthias oswald and merlin beutberger hi Great to have you. Hi. Hey, thanks for having us. Cool. And yeah, I already said you are experts in that area. So you both started at SAP in, in the same year, actually, as I can read in the notes here in uh, 2010 as apprentices. So um, you did your own career path. You can outline this um, in a second. You are today working as developers and architect. And um, maybe you can give um, some insights on what you are doing and what was your journey so far. Maybe, Marlin you want to start? Uh, Yeah, thank you. Yeah, as you already said, Matthias
1: and I started working at SAP together in 2010 for this apprenticeship of three years, where we saw all sorts of different departments, different organizations, learned a lot of things across uh, SAP. And after those three years for me, I then started in an application development team, actually one that was kind of the front runner organization for actually using UI5 in a like proper product at SAP. So I already made contact with UI5 pretty early and during my three years in that team, I also quickly learned about the limitations and things that could be improved. So um I was still constantly in contact with Matthias and also other people from the UF5 team uh, because we yeah we were in close collaboration we were using this software and of course I had a lot of feedback and improvement suggestions uh, so at some point an opening there was an opening in the UF5 team and the UF5 core team and uh, I took my chance to then head over there to kind of do these improvements from within so um I I had quite some experience and knew about things that I think can be improved for application developers, and that's what I what I wanted to do. So in 2016, I joined the UF5 core team, worked on all kinds of topics, but pretty early we started working on what is now the UF5 tooling. Back then it was more of a side project, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, there were then
0: quite some developments in in the UF5 team since then Mm -hmm. yeah thank you and same starting point (laughs) same year matthias so can you outline your journey a little bit
2: yeah sure so yeah as merlin already mentioned i also saw several different departments within sap during the apprenticeship and yeah it was very clear from the beginning that i wanted to focus on web technologies so I think every department had to do with some sorts of ui where I also um, was involved so starting with jQuery based um things and then also came to uf5 in the early days where you had the, the early mobile controls where you still had the separate control libraries for mobile and desktop and i then yeah, really liked that and was able to do the last, um, half year of my apprenticeship with the UF5 core team, where I then also got a job and working there since. And yeah, there I focused also on, on tools and things like that. I think we will also explain that later in more detail, but I, yeah, supported all kinds of tools related things and, um, that's why I then ended up also being one of the main developers on UF5 tooling.
0: Yeah, cool. So I see you are really the, the right persons for this episode. Thank you for introducing yourself. And then let's just jump right into the topic Let's start with a, with a brief recap of things that might have been already a little bit, um, explained in the session with Peter and Volker. But I think to have a complete picture here as well, can you give a brief introduction? Um, what is UI5 tooling? What, what do we have to understand when we hear this, this term?
1: Well, I think UI5 tooling can be summarized as a tool that takes care of all the things that are special to the UFI 5 framework. So um basically, for other frameworks, for other web technologies, there are all sorts of tools available online. For UF5, there are many things that need to be done in a kind of special way. So UF5 tooling is there to help you take care of that easily without having to understand all of that. By now actually you can also use it for enhancing your development experience by using extensions for for various scenarios so it's really basically a one-stop shop for developing ui5 for uh, making use of current technology while working with ui5 um
0: yeah okay thank you but it's not only um, yeah a current thing that just exists out there, it has a certain history. And um, this is something I would like to hear from you as well. How did it start overall and how did it evolve over the last years? And um, we heard it in your introduction, you are going along with this topic since quite some time already. So what's the history of UI5 tooling
2: yeah, I can take that because, yeah, I was there not from the beginning from uf 5 which started, I think, around 2008 as a initial project. And then I think the first release was 2009, if I'm not mistaken, that. But yeah, there pretty early Eclipse plugins were developed. So there was a tools team that took care of the Eclipse plugin and also integration into SAP NetWeaver um, for applications and also for UF5 itself. And then for building UF5, there were tools written also in Java based on Maven in order to build the libraries. And we still have have those tools. And they were built in order to to, produce the UF5 framework, but they were never Open source then never released to customers, and with the open sourcing of Opni five, there was a need for having tools together with with the source code not only to be able to work on it, for example, for externals then to propose code changes, you need to have a basic development setup so that's one aspect, but also that customers can package their apps that they have a better development experience apart from the Eclipse plugins. And yeah, that's a topic I focused on, where we then choose Grunt as a task runner and had several um, tasks and also connections to the Connect-based um, Node.js server, where then also the Web IDE teams created some extensions for that to have a so-called grant best practice build which was then part of all the templates if you created a application project in web id so that's i think that part until merlin joined (laughs) and then as he already mentioned we worked on successor of this tooling because it had its limitations also the fact that we choose Grunt, which I think was a, a pretty good choice at that point in time where not so many build tools were out um, compared to today. Um, but it was clear that it should be something from our side that can be used individually, like not limited to a task runner. And we then worked on several yeah, internal projects or phases of a project, which then ended up being UF5 tooling.
0: You already mentioned some points towards the idea behind, so what 's the motivation to build such a tooling stack there? I heard yeah you, you mentioned to improve the developer 's uh, experience. But what have been the reasons and the deeper motivations to put in a lot of effort into the tooling topic? So is it maybe more towards the speed of developing applications in UI5 or just to make them more robust or to um, make it a better experience as well for the end user at the end of the day? So what have been the main motivations to provide the tools here?
1: Yeah I, I think all of what you just mentioned uh, to to some degree so as matthias already explained we we had this maven tool for, used for building the framework which was which had quite a lot of features especially for creating advanced bundles um, which you can use to like optimize how the application is loaded on the client and also various other topics so this was all part of this maven java tool but that was not really easy to use for uh, applications, like, mm. especially, it was not released to, to the outside world. So customers could not use it at all. But also internally, within SAP, we have a lot of applications that could benefit from some of these features. But it was very hard to to use these Maven plugins without having the expertise. So this is one side that we wanted to have a tool that is very accessible to the actual application developers too. So they can make use of these feature-rich tools uh, to optimize how their applications are built and also to improve their developer experience. So the other point you mentioned, we, of course, also what I knew from my application development experience, I wanted to improve how how you can work with UF5 applications. So I wanted to have a server that... Does uh, these specialities like building less themes on the fly? Um, this was possible with the Connect openvr five middleware that Matthias developed back then for openvr five. But um, then maybe you want a proxy behind that to work on against your NetRiver ABAP system, and then uh, already you you started to develop your own local server reverse proxy setup, and uh, basically we. Also wanted to have an offering from Uf5 side, a standard offering that covers all of this. Make sure that your less build is already is always up to date, works with what the framework expects. Mm -hmm. All of this kind of.
0: Okay, Um, Matthias, anything to add from your
2: side? Yeah, so maybe also to mention that we wanted to have all the features. Yeah, that the internal tooling had within your five tooling, and that's what we actually achieved with your five tooling version three. So now we are at a state where we cover all those features. And since
0: mid of last year, we already produce all the libraries with your five tooling. Okay, and behind this motivation, we had already some, I think, you follow some certain values or, or uh, guiding principles that you have for tooling. And the question is there, what can I as a developer expect from uh, this framework tooling there?
1: Yeah, so um, basically we we exactly wondered what does a developer, a UF5 developer expect from a framework tooling and we came up with this list. Uh, I think we also showed it back then on UF5con when we first introduced people to UF5 tooling. And first the major points were developing testing and deployment back then. So um testing we also had, I think we didn't mention it so far, this Karma UF5 plugin for karma execution, um, for executing unit tests with UF5. So this is also a topic we are kind of working on on the side. And we also wanted to integrate that into the tooling we never got around to actually do that so far same with deployment we pretty early then decided to not take care of that because we don't have any real expertise in all these different deployment scenarios in the team so we didn't want to create and maintain a tool for that in the end but we saw all of that to be part of a solution and maybe today we actually have this as part of the Fiori tools offering which takes care of a lot of these things that we uh, left out in our UR5 tooling. So yeah, for UR5 tooling, we really focused on the framework parts on all these special things that we have under control that we know how this is expected at one time and how this can be improved with tooling. And uh, I think this worked really well. So we focused on developing in the end. We wanted to use state-of-the-art technology. We wanted to build it in a way so we can always upgrade to what is or integrate what is the latest technology out there so we didn't uh, stick with any task runner for example we did a lot of vanilla js uh, or like greenfield development Mm -hmm. and really paid off because now we we can go with the time easily and evolve with the framework together with the framework we also this was also very important for us it should be easy to use so as little configuration as possible really with a focus on application developers some that want to do advanced stuff, should be able to do that. But even they then should be able to do it in a way that their not-so-advanced colleagues can just use it without having to think a lot about it. We didn't want to waste people's time with tooling. We really wanted to improve their developer experience. And yeah, another point here, we, we also wanted to make a lot of reuse of things that were already out there. And by now i think most of that comes from the extensibility where you can just plug in third party libraries but uh yeah, back then it was um also making the things we develop in the tooling reusable so um, i think we'll talk about this later the tasks the processes we have in the tooling uh, individual modules that you can even use in your own tools and integrate it there
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah i think this was really a good concept that we had because Instead of building every feature inside of your five tooling, we build it in a way that you could just build on top. So instead of integrating, for example, the comma plugin into your five tooling, it's now the other way around that the plugin uses your five tooling. So if you already have a configuration, it just works, but it's not built in, so you can also use any other test runner or technology um, on top. And the same as when I mentioned with Fiori Tools, which builds on top. And we also saw several other teams just using our APIs for things they need. So you can just pick which part of the build process, for example, you need, and you can integrate it wherever you want.
0: Yeah. For me, this really sounds like you had in mind with all what you mentioned here, like ease of use, extensibility, state-of-the-art technology. I think that's an important point as well. All this sounds to me like making developers more productive, uh, making them fast, and at the end of the day, making it fun to use this technology instead of yeah, making it being a pain to develop uh, a UI5 applications. So that sounds really reasonable, but... Beyond those core ideas or guiding principles um, that you mentioned, there is one important point. UI5 is open source as well. So can you maybe give some insights into that as well? uh, Why using and uh, providing open source here?
1: Um, Yeah, well, for us, it was Pretty early on, it was clear that this tooling needs to be open-sourced. As we said, we had already the Grund open OpenUI5 tool. We knew it was lacking quite a lot of features. The community knew about that too. Actually, there were quite some community projects coming out of that, trying to uh, come up with their own bundling process because the bundling... Actually, there was no bundling for libraries in Grund open OpenUI5. So if you have a library and you want to create a bundle from...
2: Oh, that's wrong no there was but it was very limited so all right it didn't really package the code as you would expect or as our internal tools did so that was a big limitation maybe it was also missing some newer features for libraries that's true yeah so it yeah it didn't cover all the
1: features, uh, yeah. yeah, and it was in the features it had. It was also lacking behind, and it was also a hassle for us to keep it um, updated with changes we did in the framework. So sometimes those ha- had uh, had implications on the tooling and the Maven tooling. Then was updated pretty quickly because the framework used it, but Gradle five was also was always kind of lacking behind. So ultimately, our goal was to was already back then to have one single source of truth, one tooling to use for everything. So for application development, for library development, for the framework development. And then it's clear that you have to open source it, of course. But given that this was still kind of a side project, like we did it besides other things, it was not a major topic in our team. There was quite some discussion whether we could do all these additional efforts, all these additional steps that are required to open source a project like this. You can't just dump the source code on GitHub and call it open source. You need to put in quite some work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there was quite some discussion also with the community that by then already knew that we were working on something because we also asked for feedback. And I would like to give a shout out to Even Jewett who was one member of the community. We were in close contact back then. He was really pushing for open sourcing this project and really made good points on why this will benefit not only the UF5 community but SAP as a whole. With that we also came up with uh, all these additional open source things like an RFC project, so a process, so a request for comment and we still do that today in UFF tooling. So whenever we do a major change or we develop a major feature on GitHub, we create a request for comment pull request. So a concept that outlines our intention, our motivation for for adding a feature, for example. And then the community is invited to read through that, give feedback, um, share their thoughts. And this is um, really what what makes this an open source project. Mm -hmm. But... We also, I also want to point out here that, of course, it's different from other open source projects, and we learned that pretty early, because it's quite complex. We use it for also building a product now, the SAP UI5 product. So we uh, have very high standards also for the quality, and um, with that, we can't easily take in contributions. So I think for someone to contribute major parts to to the tooling. They need to put in a lot of effort because our standards are so high, mm-hmm. and um, that's what we learned that we can't really expect major contributions to the tooling directly, because we we are here we are getting paid for doing this as our daily job. Even though we also work on other topics, we can put in a lot of time to do it properly to think a couple steps ahead, and that's why we also never really saw big contributions, um, maybe a couple uh, smaller ones, but. It's not a real community project, still still not today.
0: Yeah, but um, community is something I think that we should mention here as well, especially when it comes to possible contributions, as you said, and uh, extensibility. So can you maybe go a little bit more detailed into the topic? What role does the community play here? Because we know that the... UI5 community is really a very agile one and um, there is a lot of contribution and uh, engagement there. Can you maybe um, give some insights here as well with looking at the tooling and uh, extensibility as well?
1: So I think for the tooling itself, we mainly benefit from getting feedback. Like when we introduce bugs, we learn about them pretty quickly. And um, early on, this was... This was helpful for us, maybe frustrating for the community, because we, we did quite some mistakes there, or, yeah, well, errors. By now, we have a higher, way better quality assurance, so these things don't happen as often. But still, we learn from all these different scenarios that people, at customers, or also for their own projects have. And we, will, of course, always try to improve how they can use the tooling for those scenarios. The other side is extensibility. And I think there, there was this major push by Peter Müssig and Volker Butzek with the community ecosystem, UFF community ecosystem project mm-hmm. that, uh, kind of really launched this, uh, community extension development. We already had extensibility in UFF tooling for quite a while, but with that, it became suddenly accessible to, to developers.
0: Okay, and beside the community, we, of course, also have a team behind all this. So it's not only the two of you working on that, and you you also, as I learned from you before, you also uh, are working on different tasks here. Can you maybe give us a brief introduction of the people behind the scenes here?
1: Well yeah as I, as we said um early on it was a side project and um basically everyone in the core team at some point had some kind of influence on what was now the tooling so you, you can imagine like someone just finished a task and then uh, was waiting for a new topic to to come up and then they spent some time on a tooling like we discussed in in the coffee corner we discussed things and then maybe there were some smaller contributions but back then, um, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't really a team topic. And slowly it developed into a bigger topic, especially once uh, we really realized that the overall goal would be to replace the Maven built tools that we have with the UF5 tooling. And by then it really became a proper topic for the team. Uh, so more colleagues got involved. And by now we. We even split up the UF5 core team into several teams. And one of that, the UFF core foundation team that we are both members of really has a strong focus on UFF tooling now. Mm-hmm. So right now we are a team of four developers, mainly focusing on UFF tooling, but with that also on integrating it into the overall UFF framework built infrastructure. So we have this goal of replacing this Maven specific Java built tools with the UFF tooling. Yeah, that's what we do in our daily jobs now. So not so much uh, on the open source side of UFF tooling, but also a lot of internal work reworking these. Uh, yeah, I would call it legacy infrastructure to make it work with UFF tooling and to have all of that be done in a compatible way. And with that also enabling a lot of new technology in the framework. So, for example, that we can actually use the latest ECMAScript syntax in, in the mm-hmm. framework, which was not possible before due to old tools that were used in some parts of the whole process.
0: Mm-hmm. So we learned a little bit more now about the, the reasons for why going open source with it. But let's have a look in the technical details a little bit more. I think, Matthias, you, you can give us some more insights here as well.
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe I can explain some of our details or concepts we have in U5 tooling, which is, I think, really important to to just mention because... Some things, uh, yeah, just out there, but not really understandable why we do that. So maybe we can take this time to to explain that in more detail. So one things that we pretty early also in our internal proof of concept for the tooling um, worked on is creating this virtual file system. So that's something that was influenced by the Maven tools where we also Used the the Java resource loader, I think it's called, where you yeah have kind of a system where resources are located and also can access resources from dependencies, and it's kind of an abstraction that for U I five gives you the runtime view like you were requesting files on a server, and we separate libraries in namespaces as you might know and there it's taking care that if you have several projects that everything comes together so you don't um, have to yeah, find out relative paths to your dependencies or like making sure that that you can yeah, find the files you need Um the virtual file system takes care of that so it brings all everything together so that you can for example for the task and also the custom task um where you have this API to retrieve files. Um, I think that's very handy that you can just load files as you would um, in an app if you just load other modules and write them back to workspace. And yeah, so I think that's an important thing to mention. While developing that, we also had a look into other tools, I think mainly Gulp, which has this streaming concept Where we at least also took the part of allowing resources to be streamed um yeah just taking advantage of the node.js streaming concept to stream file content um, but then ended up writing something on our own instead of integrating things there apart from yeah tools to find files and um, resolve glob patterns and so on yeah i think that's a very important part of the tooling Mm -hmm. And then, of course, as already mentioned, the uh, tasks and middleware sensibility, which I think is yeah really great to see out there in the community, yeah, what people are doing and and writing things on top. And also I think with now with your five, two three, we made a good enhancement of the API where um, we also ask for feedback in the community. How you can then now easier write tasks. You don't have to declare dependencies to our modules. You just get all the APIs you need in your task or middleware, and yeah. So that's also something we yeah we focus on to to make it easier for others to integrate their stuff into your five tooling.
1: Maybe one interesting bit here. So initially when we started with this part of the tooling, the tasks, we had this idea that we would not create another task runner. Like we did not want to recreate Grunt or Gulp. We wanted people to keep using Grunt and Gulp and just plug in tasks from us for those few things that are specific to Uf 5 like bundling or the theme build. And for other things like minification, they can just use, you know, Uglify or Terser tools that do this for all sorts of frameworks in in a very nice way. But now we ended up with extensibility and uh, people plugging in all sorts of tasks into the tooling. So ultimately, we ended up building a task runner. But yeah, it it is just a nicer solution now. You just have the UF5 command, you, you use UF5 build, UF5 serve, and everything works. It's very intuitive for people who once got familiar with the tool. So yeah, we are happy with the state it is in now. It is a task runner, but one very specific for UF5.
2: Yeah, that's right. But it doesn't limit you because we also have several internal projects that, for example, use Gulp and then just use our specific task or tasks around that. So you can still integrate it in other task runners. And I think that's that's really good that you have all the options to integrate or use those parts.
1: We, we fully support those use cases. We export Node.js APIs that you can use in your own Node scripts. You don't have to use the CLI for everything. So if you want to come up with a custom solution, you can definitely do that with UFF tooling.
2: Yeah, and I think also that is virtual file system is really handy because you can just tell where files are located and which namespace they should get. And then the tasks just work without having a whole your five project and all the things around. So it's just building on on top, and I think that worked out pretty good. So another thing that I could mention is why we choose YAML as a file for the your five configuration. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were thinking about, so pretty early, it was clear that we need some own ac- configuration file and we thought about which format to choose. The so one important aspect was to have the option to add comments because that's, we see that as a very important feature. What we also see in, for example, the package JSON file for node projects where you can't really add comments. That's a, yeah limitation we don't want to have, and um, there are options to have JSON with comments, but we also I think didn't look further into that because it, then you, you need to have a special JSON parser, and we were also looking into other tools and there, for example, Docker or um, Kubernetes that you have YAML files. Also now with GitHub Actions they use YAML um, as it's yeah. I think a good format to just describe those options, you can also still have the a schema via JSON schema. So what we also provide with your F5 tooling that you have support for all the options, you see which types they should be. Also in your IDE, it's very easy to write the configuration. So internally it's transformed into JSON and we provide then our options as, as JSON objects, but you just write YAML.
1: Yeah, we, we only added the schema in UFF tooling version two, I think. Yes. And it really helped with the developer experience there because before you could just miss a space or like not have the indentation right. And then your options are just ignored by the tooling. Now with the schema, we, we check whether all the properties are where they should be. And you get an error if you're having the right plugin in your IDE directly.
2: Yeah, that's right. So I think that's one of the major disadvantages of YAML that just spacing is um, important. Yeah, indentation. And another feature, which is used quite often, and I think is good that it's just built into YAML, that you can have multiple documents in one file. So with three dashes, you can separate documents within a file. And then you can have your project and you can also have the configuration of your custom task so you don't have to write another yaml file and put it somewhere Um, and we just load it automatically so i think that comes in handy as well yeah
1: yeah another big topic in tooling was the dependency resolution um we didn't really have a concept for dependency resolution for development in UF5 before, basically you just had your projects laying around somewhere and then start a server with the right configuration. And then you end up with having your application and all the libraries available in your browser. But, um, now we, we of course wanted to have some proper concept for this to also again, make it easy to, you know, I give my colleague a, a link to a Git repository of an application. And then they do um, the right commands and get all the libraries they need and can start a server there with as little commands and knowledge as possible. Yeah. With giving that we were already working in the JavaScript ecosystem, we of course then, uh, then leaned towards using NPM for these purposes. So, um, making UF5 libraries and applications available as NPM packages and use the. NPM CLI to install them and then use those dependencies in the tooling. But we also wanted to keep this, to leave this open for other possible solutions. Also back then, I think Bauer was still a, a, a bigger thing. So your 5 libraries were published with Bauer. We knew of people who were just downloading the zip archives from our server, from the SAP server with the whole your 5 SDK in there. So um, initially we designed the dependency resolution in an extensible way. But also we learned that most people just use the npm way, which was the standard configuration in the tooling. So by standard, we checked the package JSON for the dependencies, try to find them on your local system with the standard node resolve mechanism, and then use those. If they have a UFI 5 YAML, we can configure them and we know where to look for the right paths and how to serve that project. And uh, that's what we ended up doing. Especially with the recent refactoring in Uff Tooling v3, we doubled down on using npm or the package.json as the one source for dependencies. We enhanced it with a workspace concept, so you can have local clones of repositories and work with those without having to use npm link uh, or yarn link for those people who use yarn. So we try to make this scenario easier. But we um, we now really. Focus on the package JSON mechanism that is well established in the JavaScript ecosystem. And uh, one other thing uh, also relating to the YAML that I would like to mention is the specification version because we also got quite some questions regarding what's up with that. So basically. uh, Also, a big important factor for us in tooling is compatibility. I mean, for UR5 overall, uh, most of you should know that UR5, the framework, always strives to be as compatible as possible. So your applications always work with the latest UR5 versions. Same with the tooling. We want to be very compatible. We want people, if something might be incompatible, we want people to know that right away and not find out later at one time that something in the bundling is not working right or some option is ignored, actually, because they use a too old UF5 version. So we introduced the specification version to basically make sure that for a configuration, you use the correct version of the tooling. So just, you can see this spec version property at the beginning, typically, of all UF5 YAML files. And if you write, for example, spec version 3.0, you can't use this project with UF5 tooling version 2. You have to use UF5 tooling version 3.0. Because this YAML, this configuration or this project makes use of features that are only available in UFF Tooling version 3. So this is a very straightforward way to make sure that people use the correct version. If they don't, they get an error message. And uh, that's ultimately making it possible for the tooling to stay very compatible. Because it's also the other way around. We were able to make changes in UFF Tooling version 3 that would affect old projects. But since we then see, okay, this project has specification version two defined, we can then interpret those configurations differently or apply different defaults and still be compatible to this old project. So ideally in the future, you can always use old projects with old specification versions or also old extensions in the latest uf tooling version. So just like with the framework, the tooling is very compatible and you don't have to waste time adapting your project to uh, the newest version because of some minor change we did or some incompatible change.
0: Yeah, great. So uh, thank you for uh, these yeah, deeper technical insights into the tooling technologies. To wrap it up, our last point for today, I think, is really looking a little bit into what's currently going on and maybe a little outlook into the future. So what are you working on in terms of implementation or what do you want to do in the future?
1: Yeah, so uh, basically, we still have so many things left to be done. That things we were already thinking about doing back in 2017, uh, when we started with this whole project. So many things that can improve the developer experience, that can improve the performance at runtime, for example. It, it just takes a lot of efforts to dive into those topics to really understand how how this can improve, like measurably improve UF5 runtime. So yeah, things take a long time. We we need to prioritize a lot. One big topic we want to tackle soon is offering pre-built versions of the NPM artifacts, so pre-built versions of UF5 libraries uh, that you can then fetch with the tooling. The tooling can already install UF5 libraries, but only as source. So if you... Then build your project. You also need to build those libraries before deploying them. Mm-hmm. And, um, also when you start a server, you don't have the optimized bundles of all those dependencies. So we want to offer pre-built versions of those to make this faster. And, um, yeah, there, there are many different topics uh, that need to be prioritized. So it's hard to say what we, we will be able to tackle soon. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and maybe also to mention what we are currently working on or what we worked on the last month, um, so to say, Is um, I think we already mentioned that a bit that we already last year replaced most of the Maven tools we had to build libraries to yeah just make sure that um, UF5 tooling is in a state that it can um, fulfill all the requirements we had there for building the libraries. Which is not only to just get rid of this legacy tools and have just one tool to build your five libraries, but also, um, as they were limited with regards of parsing JavaScript code. So our goal there is to enable all the latest ECMAScript syntax also for our libraries. Um, while we are hopefully close to, to reach that and, um, about this. Like replacement of the legacy legacy build inf- infrastructure, we will also do a talk, and fivecon um Florian Vogt and me will do that. So that's something we will then also mention in in yeah more detail what we did exactly and and what were
0: our learnings. Okay, folks, I think. We have it then for today. So we talked about everything we had on our list. Is there anything else um, I forgot to ask or that you want to mention or do we have it all? I think we got it. Great. So thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time today and giving all these insights, especially the, the deeper look into the technology. And um, yeah, th- thanks for being here.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having us.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Okay. And for you, dear listeners. Um, so we, you have heard we are still here and I hope there's more to come soon on this channel and you find more podcasts about technology topics as well on OpenSAP podcasts. So just tune in and uh, walk a little bit around and you find this podcast. Of course, everything that you heard now on. All the uh, relevant podcast platforms and apps. So I hope you could take some insights with you. And thank you from my side as well. And bye for now. Bye.
2: Bye.